Okay, I want to begin by reading three verses of scripture, two from the Old Testament and two from the New Testament, as I kind of lay a scriptural foundation for some of what I want to talk about today. The first reference comes from Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28. And it simply says, do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. The second scripture is Psalm 11 verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, and verse 52, Jesus speaking, Then he said unto them, or he said to them, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. And the last verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, which says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What I want to share with you today is for the benefit of, of the new members that we have received into our fellowship this morning. But nonetheless, it is just as relevant and I hope just as meaningful to the rest of us, those of us who are already members and those of us who may not be official members as yet. And so what I want to talk about today is knowing and serving your church. Knowing and serving your church. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we give you thanks for what we have experienced here in this sanctuary today. We thank you, Father God, for once again blessing this church with new members. We thank you, Father God, for your hand that's been at work down through the years, for many years, O oh God, you have added to this church those who have been saved. And so now, Lord, as we open your word, I pray that you will show us truth from your word, O oh God, that will make us free. As we examine this local church, and as we examine our role and our part in the ministry of this local church, I pray, Father God, that we will all appreciate not only what you have already done in this fellowship, but what you are doing right now and that which you have planned for us in the days to come. We give you thanks and we give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, both of these things that I'm going to talk about are very important, as I said, to all of us. Knowing your church and serving your church. When you become a part of something, I think it is very important that you have at least some understanding of what you're getting involved in. And an understanding of the organization, the church in this context, that you are committing yourself to. 
And also at the same time, understanding that if, this, if the ministry of this church is going to last during and beyond this generation, your help is needed. Every succeeding generation has something that God has deposited within them to enhance the ministry and the work of the church that they are a part of. And so these two things are very, very important. And when we do our membership classes, the reason why we feel that this is important, a lot of churches don't do membership classes. They just receive uh, persons into membership. But the membership class is to familiarize you, although it's not, it's, it's not an exhaustive uh, time where you look into every single thing, but it's to give you enough information to familiarize you with what you are becoming a part of. And we believe that that is very important and essential uh, to you to help you appreciate um, what you are committing yourself to. So let's talk about these two things this morning. First of all, knowing your church. Knowing your church. The first thing I want to say about this is Evangelistic Temple is known as one of the historic churches in this community. Now, we are only 85 years old. There are churches in this community that's more than 100 years old and some 200 years old. So we have some brothers, we have some sisters who are much older than we are. But nevertheless, even though we are only 85 years old, we are still regarded as one of the historic churches in this country. Now, what makes a church historic is some specific things that has happened in the life of that church. You have uh, Anglican churches that are regarded as historic, Catholic churches, Baptist churches, Methodist churches, and so on. And uh, the reason why they are seen as historic churches, as I said, is because of what God has done, either in the very beginning and the establishing of that church, and what has happened as a result of that church being in existence. And so I want us to take a look at some of these things as it relates to Evangelistic Temple and why this church is considered an historic church. Not that we consider ourselves historic, it's those who observe us, those who have seen this church over the years and seen what it has done, seen what it has been about over these years that uh, they give us the distinction of being an historic church. All right, first of all, Evangelistic Temple, as you would have heard in your membership class, is the first Assembly of God church established in the Bahamas. Before Evangelistic Temple, there was no Assemblies of God church in this country. So Evangelistic Temple is the first Assemblies of God church. That alone makes it historic because it is the first of the Assemblies of God to come into existence, to be birthed in the commonwealth of the Bahamas. And members, uh, new members, when they go through the membership class, as I said, some of this kind of information is shared to help them see where the church has come from. Now, for others who do not go through the membership class and are not exposed to this kind of information, 
they are not fully aware of some of these very, very important things that have happened down through the years. Not only that, but children who were quote-unquote born within or born into evangelistic temple because their parents were members or are members of this church, they just met some things going, just met some things in place, but do not really know the history behind some of what they have met in place. And so it's important that we all have an appreciation for what God has done down through the years to set this local church apart. Evangelistic Temple has pioneered, pioneered many things within the Assemblies of God in the Bahamas. A lot of things that today we take for granted because we are so familiar with a lot of what I'm going to mention. But when, the, when these things happened, these were pioneering events, pioneering decisions that were made by the leadership of this church. Many of these things, when they were put in place, were cutting edge. They were cutting edge stuff. They were visionary. They were creative. They were innovative when they were put in place years past. Now, we look back at some stuff and we just think, you know, well, that's, that's old. That's old. Well, it might be old as far as the number of years might be concerned. But when God spoke it, when God gave leadership the vision for it, when God established it, it was cutting edge. It was, it was vision that was fresh and vision that was new. Let me mention a few of these things. Now, I took too long on this in the 8.30 service and ran out of time and couldn't finish my sermon the way I wanted to. So I'll keep that in mind as I go along. Years ago, when I first came to Evangelistic Temple, I was attending another church. I was not a part of Evangelistic Temple. Attending another church, and we came, my wife and I, she wasn't my wife at the time, but we were going together. What? I need to put on my mask because you all seem, I may be blushing. But we came to a Christmas Day service. Evangelistic Temple back in those days had a Christmas Day service. So we decided that's how we are going to begin our Christmas Day. We are going to Evangelistic Temple to their Christmas Day service. And when we came, as I walked into the door, the thing that stood out to me was that this church in the other building had parted pews. Now, I know this may sound trivial, but you need to understand where I'm coming from. The first thing I thought in my mind is, boy, this must be a bunch of backslidden people, eh? Parted pews in the house of God. When you come to the house of God, you need to feel uncomfortable. You know, you need to sit on those pews that the seat was made out of two pieces of, of, of wood. And so when you sit down, you had to be careful because you could have gotten pinched by the two pieces of, of wood. You, you know, it was customary to sit on wooden chairs and metal chairs, you know, and uh, 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 to be in church in a, 
relatively uncomfortable manner because after a while, sitting on those hard pews or sitting on those hard chairs, you would have had to begin to twist and turn and reposition yourself because of the discomfort. So here we are in this church, and this is the first time I'm ever seeing in any church, padded pews. Now, once we sat down, I understood why. Dear Lord, the comfort, the relaxation, and that's exactly what I was taught in my early days. You don't go to church to be relaxed. You go to church to be under conviction. You, you go to church to be made uncomfortable. You know, you, you go to church to, when the word of God is being preached, the man of God or woman of God is preaching, you ought to be squirming in your seat. But boy, that was some comfort. And that was my introduction. That's well, not the whole introduction. But, you know, um, listen, nobody else had it. Nobody else had parted views that I knew about. Nobody. So within the Assemblies of God, Evangelistic Temple pioneered parted views. <laughs> that, that might sound trivial, but hey, it's one of those things. And then... When the worship began, I saw this screen come down from the ceiling. See, now these people really, they really, they, you know, they really go on too far. This big screen comes down out of the ceiling, you know, and then the projector turns on and the words for the songs that are being sung are projected onto a screen. You know, you, you, you need to understand that was cutting edge technology at the time. You know, that was brand new. That was visionary. You know, and uh, so I was impressed. Really, really impressed. Evangelistic Temple, no other church in the Assemblies of God had that kind of stuff. Nobody. Evangelistic Temple was also a church that was always known for having full-time pastoral staff. Always. From way back, way before my time. Pastors were always full-time pastors. And most of the pastors in the, uh, back in those days, they had to work. They had to go to work. You know, and ministry had to be done, you know, when you were away from work. You had to work all week and still preach on Sundays. Still do Bible studies on Wednesdays. Still go and visit people in the hospital. Still go and visit people at home. All of these things had to be done. But Evangelistic Temple was always a church where they saw the importance of the pastor being free from all of that other stuff to give himself to ministry. Fully and completely every day to ministry. His allegiances did not have to be divided. It was totally to the work of God and the work of the church and ministering to the people of God. So that, that, was, that was a pioneering uh, gesture by the church. I remember quite clearly, again, I, I never used to come to this church at the time, but because I was a little familiar with the church, 
um, I knew that the church always had these Christmas productions. And so we said, you know, let's go. Let's go and check them out. Check out their Christmas production. The Christmas production that first year that we came was entitled From Heaven's Throne. And I had never seen anything like that in church in my life. I know we do a lot of stuff today that's really cutting edge. You know, the, you know, the use of technology and, and uh, all, of the, all of the stuff that we have in place here, the sound, the video, the lights, all that sort of stuff. We do a lot of stuff now that's, that's far beyond what I'm talking about. But at the time, when I saw that, right in the church over there, when I saw that, to me, that was simply outstanding. There was excellence throughout the entire production. The props were fantastic. The little drama pieces were fantastic. The music was fantastic. The singing was off the chain, like they say. Well, you don't say off the chain anymore now. That's old now, but you know what I mean. The singing was awesome. And I said to the early service this morning, when I came in and saw that production from its beginning to its end, from heaven's throne, I felt like I was in heaven. That's how good it was. And I don't exaggerate. I'm looking at some people who were here when that, when that production was done. And so the church became known for these kinds of Easter and Christmas productions. They pioneered. The church pioneered these things. Nobody was doing this type of stuff. Nobody. You know, we, we do, we do uh, 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 some really, really good stuff now for Easter and Christmas. Unfortunately, COVID has knocked out everything for this year. But Evangelistic Temple took this thing to another level. The church that I went to did cantatas. This was just singing. The choir sang all the songs that comprised the cantata presentation. But Evangelistic Temple uh, pioneered something that was totally new and totally different as far as I was concerned. Something else that happened here in Evangelistic Temple that was not existent in any other Assemblies of God Church. And not only Assemblies of God Church, but I believe, don't quote me on it, but I believe it was non-existent in any other church at the time other than one. And that was praise and worship as we know it today. Praise and worship as we know it was introduced to the Bahamas through Bahamas Faith Ministries. They were the first church to do praise and worship like we know it now. Well, as far as I know, Evangelistic Temple was the second. Because we had a relationship with the late Dr. Miles Monroe. Pastor Curry did. I wasn't here at the time. And uh, out of that relationship, some things happened. And so this church, as a part of its Sunday services, began to do what is now known in every church just about in this country as praise and worship. So as far as the Assemblies of God was concerned, Evangelistic Temple was the only church doing worship in that style. Praise and worship. Now everybody, everybody's doing it. Not only that, but Evangelistic Temple has had a radio ministry, a radio program that has been on ZNS, and now it's on Guardian Radio as well, but it's been on the radio for 42 years. And then that program, it started when Reverend Dr. Gary Curry became the senior pastor in 1978 
When that program uh, went on ZNS, I think there might have been a couple other programs on the station at that time. But Evangelistic Temple pioneered radio ministry for churches. Now, you know, all kinds of churches have all kinds of programs on the radio and the television and social media these days. But that was a pioneering work. This church also was the first church to produce a television program that was aired on the newly established ZNS television. The first church to produce a television program for the new television station, ZNS Television. Pioneered that. Now, of course, others, others have come along afterwards, and uh, you can see a lot of programs on ZNS these days, but Evangelistic Temple was right there at the beginning, pioneering these things. You know, uh, here we are in this new facility with new equipment and uh, new technology and all this kind of stuff, um, we were among the first churches to live stream a church service. When we started live streaming, we started doing some stuff over in the old building. The other building, I like to call it, not the old building, the other building. And when we came over here, we perfected stuff because we had, you know, more, more, more stuff available, more technology available. And uh, so... We were, we were among the very first to start live streaming a service. Churches didn't know anything about live streaming a service. Because number one, you had to have a, a, a certain amount of equipment in order to live stream. Facebook live streaming was not done back then. Facebook live streaming of church services is relatively new. But Evangelistic Temple was on the cutting edge. Now, let me mention two more things, and then I'm going to move on. This is, the this is the church that you are a part of. This is the church that you have entered into membership in. We've done some things, man. What you see now is not all that we are. As great as it might be, it's not all that we are. And uh, let me mention these last two things. Temple Christian School. Evangelistic Temple the members of Evangelistic Temple. We have our children in all sorts of schools around the country, and that's, that's all fair and fine. But Evangelistic Temple pioneered what we know today as Temple Christian School. There was only, other, only, there was only one other church. I'm not talking about denomination now. There was only one other church when Temple Christian School um, was established who had any kind of connection to a Christian school. And that was Baptist Bible Church. And Baptist Bible Church was connected to Nassau Christian Academy as it was then because of their connection to a church organization in the United States. So that's how their connection came uh, uh, their connection was made with Nassau Christian Academy. But Nassau Christian Academy was not a, a school that was birthed solely out of Baptist Bible Church. Temple Christian School, on the other hand, was birthed out of the spirit 
of the former senior pastor of this church, Reverend Dr. Gary Curry, and his wife, Sister Myrtle Curry. That's how that school was birthed. And let me add something else to that. Temple Christian School is one of the largest schools in this country. We, we don't think about that. We don't hear about that. One of the largest schools in this country. We are definitely not the largest, of course, but we are up there when it comes to private schools and when it comes to private Christian schools. But this is a school from K3 to grade 12 that's owned and operated, as you've heard me say before, by one single church. Not a denomination. One single church. Not the Anglican denomination or the Catholic denomination or the Methodist denomination or the Presbyterian denomination. One single church. Temple Christian School is not owned and operated by the Assemblies of God in the Bahamas. Temple Christian School is owned and operated by Evangelistic Temple. We, listen, we were on the cutting edge in establishing Christian education in this country. And then others followed. Others followed uh, us and uh, Baptist Bible with National Christian Academy. Others followed. But there is, there is, there, there's not a whole lot that's available today on the level that uh, National Christian Schools and Temple Christian School are today. We, we, we are far ahead. I'm talking about Christian education now. Don't get me... Don't get me mixed up. You know, I'm not talking about what other schools offer. Other schools offer a whole lot, and what other schools offer is also very good. All right? And when you talk about Christian education, then, of course, you have to add, you have to add Kingsway Academy in there as well. But Kingsway Academy, amen, Sister Kakula. But Kingsway Academy was not birthed out of one single local church. You know, that's a major task. And then for that school to grow and to develop to the size that it is today is an awesome work of God. And that's the kind of thing that God has done in and through this one local church that you are a part of. And let me just mention one more thing. And that's this worship center that you're sitting in right now. This came out, this is a vision that came out of the spirit of the former senior pastor of this church. This is what he had in mind. I was in the meetings when we sat with the architect and he said, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm seeing. This is, is what, I'm, what, 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 I, what, what I, I, I feel we need to do. And out of that vision came this. Now, let me say something about this. There isn't another worship facility in the Bahamas like this. And I'm not bragging, it's the cold hard facts. Do your own research. There's not another one that looks like this. And this is not all there is. You know, we have a third floor upstairs with a whole lot more space up there. You know, but what I'm saying is this, this what you were sitting in was a pioneering vision. This was not just an effort to build another church. 
What you see came from the spirit of God into the spirit of the pastor and this is what was birthed. And it's different than anything else we have in the country right now. Now there are others that may come along that may exceed this. And you know, I, I pray to God that happens because that's the way the church ought to be operating. But don't take for granted for what you're sitting in. You know, this, this didn't just happen. This was God. God was responsible for this. And God was responsible for everything else that I mentioned to you, even down to the padded pews. God was responsible for it. Now, let me shift gears a little bit because you are here and I am here because of some things that have happened prior to our coming. And some of which might have, even though it's years later, might have also been what drew you here as well. Let me talk about a couple of things. What drew people to Evangelistic Temple and resulted in its steady spiritual and numerical growth over the years? Evangelistic Temple was one of the larger churches in the country when we were across the street back in the early 1960s. The church went through a split and 300 people or more walked out and started another church. And the church was left in shambles. And the church struggled for many years having to bring in pastors from the United States in order to keep things going. And some of those pastors from what I learned were really good pastors and made a valuable contribution to keeping the church going and keeping the, keeping the ministry alive. And then Pastor Curry took it over. As the senior pastor, he began to work. And he began to build on everything that had preceded him. And there were a couple things that made a difference in his ministry as far as the life of the church is concerned. I'm talking about knowing your church now. Okay? This didn't begin with Vaughan El Cash. I know about why the split happened because my family was a part of the split and went down to the other church. But God is awesome. I have gone full circle. Full circle. And guess what? Every single one of my family members also came back to this church after I came back. <laughs> God, God is awesome. Okay, so let's talk about a couple of things. All right, first of all, Pastor Curry had a different approach to ministry. No matter what had happened before him, he wanted to do what God directed him to do. So his approach to ministry was a little different. This church had a motto that said, the church with the exciting difference. The church with the exciting difference. That was known all over this city and all over this country. That evangelistic temple was the church with the exciting difference. In other words, when you went there, when you walked inside, you were going to experience something different than anything you had experienced before. There was going to be an element in that worship service that was going to stand out to you, that was going to touch you in a special way. 
It may not have been the whole service, but there's something that's going to happen from the time you walked into the door and go through that service. Something different, something special was going to happen. And even though we don't have our full attendance because of COVID this morning, there are, there are persons here who can testify to that fact, and I'm one of them. And there are people here who can testify about that difference that once they came, they never left. And so his approach was a little different. Pastor Curry wasn't interested in evangelistic temple being a carbon copy of any other church, but only wanted it to be what God wanted it to be. It didn't bother him what the church down the road was doing. It didn't bother him what, the, what another Assemblies of God church was doing. All he wanted was what God wanted for this local church called Evangelistic Temple. So his approach to ministry was different. Secondly, he had a different approach to the ministry of God's word. Those of you who have been here long enough to hear Pastor Curry minister, Pastor Curry has a unique style all his own. And in his younger years, it was even more special. I sat under Pastor, ben, Pastor uh, uh, Curry um, when we used to come by and visit, like I said, um, you know, when his hair was not as, as silver as it might be now. And so I have experienced the ministry from prime years into senior years, even though I wasn't a part of the church as yet. But his approach to the ministry of the word of God was different. You see, evangelistic temple and the assemblies of God are what is called Pentecostal churches. And what people thought about Pentecostal churches in those days was not very good. They didn't think their pastors were able to preach because all they did was shout and scream. And this was even uh, uh, the perception of people who never even went into one of these churches. But that was the perception. You, you, you were panic, if Pentecostal was attached to your name in any way, you were a jumper church. That's all you did all service long. When the singing going on, you jump. When the word is being preached, you jump. Holy rollers. You go in there and people are going to be rolling on the floor. That's how Pentecostalism was characterized. You know, it was wrong because that wasn't the case in every church. And it certainly wasn't the case in Evangelistic Temple. When you came to Evangelistic Temple, even though it was Assemblies of God, it was Pentecostal, you got a proper ministry of God's word. In a style and in a way that was biblical and easily understood and easily applied. And without all the noise like I'm making right now. Huh? Because that was his approach to ministry. You know what, ama you know what amazes me about, uh, uh, about Pastor Curry? Especially when I, when I joined him on staff. If I was preaching on a Sunday, on my Sunday, I would be hollering and screaming. Making one bunch of noise. 
Good noise. Good, good noise. But that, you know, that was my style. And then the next Sunday, he had come along and just be himself. <laughs> it didn't make a lick of what happened the Sunday before. It, it didn't, it, nothing changed. He just was his self. And being himself is what contributed to the numerical and spiritual growth of this church even today. And he wasn't intimidated by anybody. You had guest preachers come from time to time and their ministry, you know, their ministry gifts would be different. You know, some would, some would minister healing, some would minister salvation, and it, it didn't make a difference. He was not intimidated by anybody. All of those gifts could function in their way and benefit the church. But when he stood in the pulpit, he stood in the pulpit as himself. Never trying to be anybody else. And God blessed it. And God blessed it abundantly. Now, one of the things that Pastor Curry said uh, impacted or affected his, his ministry style, he said, you know, when I was a young man, I'd go to church and, but let me step back. You'd go to work all week long. You're working all week long. You're in these tough atmospheres and environments. People are cussing, you know, talking bad to you. If your boss didn't like you, well, you had to deal with that too. You know, and you, you know, he said, you got beat up for a whole week. And then when you went to church on Sunday, you got beat up again. The place that should have been a, a place where you could find refuge and solace and be ministered to and encouraged and comforted and challenged. Yes, challenged. Yes but also ministered to, where you could grow, you could hear something that you could sensibly apply to your life and something that would prepare you to go back to work the next Monday morning, fired up spiritually, encouraged spiritually, and in spite of the environment that you know you are going to have to go back to because your life on that Sunday was so ministered to by God, the Spirit, and the Word, that you had no problem going back to work the next day and going back in confidence and able to stand. So he said, I'm not going to do that. When people come to church, I'm not going to beat them over the head like they've been beaten over the head all week long in the workplace. And so what he did was he changed the type of preaching and the perception of God that was always judgmental and always condemnatory. You, 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 you were never good enough. You, 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 there's nothing you ever did that you could please God. God was this God that you, you, he could never be satisfied. This is the kind of preaching that used to be done. He, he could never be satisfied with you. You, 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 don't, you don't ever read your Bible enough. You don't ever pray enough. You don't witness enough. You don't give enough. You don't come to church enough. But, but you know, 
you know, there's nothing wrong with those things if we ever need to correct those things in our lives. But what what he was saying is, this is what people got day in, day out when they came to church. And so you left work beaten down and discouraged and you left church beaten down and discouraged. So he presented a balanced view of God and a balanced view of scripture. God, yes, is a God of judgment. And if you don't get your act together, you'll meet that God of judgment. That man ain't no disputing that. He is a God of judgment But he's also a father of love, mercy, and compassion. And what pastor's point was, is that you, us who minister God's word, we have to minister a balanced approach to that. When it's time to declare the judgment of God, we do it and we do it without fear or favor. But when it's time to tell people about the love of God and the mercy of God and the compassion of God and the forgiveness of God, you do that too. You don't go over the board on one side of judgment and you don't go overboard on the other side of just love, mercy, and compassion. You present to people a balanced view of God and a balanced view of scripture and that's what drew people to this church by the hundreds. The unsaved came and found salvation. Others came from different churches for whatever reason it was, and they found a place of love and acceptance and never left. One time we were talking, and Pastor Curry said, some of the pastors, Assemblies of God pastors, asked him on one occasion, What did you do that has resulted in evangelistic temple growing and developing into the church that it is today? What's what's your secret? These are pastors talking to him. What, what, What is your secret? What did you do? Because it was obvious to them that, especially within the assemblies of God, evangelistic temple was the number one church. Period. Now, we have some good churches in the Assemblies of God, don't get me wrong. But this is how they felt as other pastors and leaders. And you know, <clears throat> what he said was, well, all I did was what God told me to do. That's all I did. God gave me a vision. I acted on it. That's all I did. God spoke something to my heart that was needed within the church and needed within the ministry. I just did it. God led me in a certain direction. I just followed him. And that's how the church became what it was and what it is even now. He just simply did what God told him to do. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. That will always be successful in the life of a church. And so he did that for 34 years and ministered like that for 34 years. And I count myself honored to have worked with him for 17 of those 34, half of those 34 years to help make it happen by the grace of God. 
Now, here's what we are challenged with. When the other pastor is preaching and I'm sitting down there, it seems as though time moving like snail. I don't care how good the message is. You all know you always be thinking the same thing. No matter how good the message is. Every time I get up the bridge, Lord Jesus, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a train going down a track as far as the time is concerned. So let me, let me begin to wrap this up. Know your church and serve your church. Okay? <clears throat> now here's what we are challenged with in reference to everything that I just said. Every so often, people come from other churches to be a part of evangelistic temple, and this could be applicable to just about any church. But when they come, they try to change evangelistic temple into where they came from. It, you know, if you're going to do that, or you, if you're going to try that, then you might as well stay where you are. Because we ain't going to change into where you came from. Not if God is directing the ship. Because if where you came from is not where God is directing and captaining, if that's a word, this ship, then we ain't going there. Then there are others, you know, from time to time, young people in particular, who grow up in a church. They were born, quote unquote, in the church and grew up in the church. So as they grew, there were certain things that were already in place in the church, and they met in place. They met functioning and all that sort of stuff. But because they are young, like all of us used to be, they feel as though things need to change to suit me. I need some things to change to suit me. Well, it don't happen like that. It don't happen like that. You know, um, God is not haphazard. God is not willy-nilly. God works according to plan and purpose. Now, something that you feel as a young person, as I did, something that you, you feel may be good for you and good for the church, maybe God has that in his plan and in his purpose. So let God do it. Don't try to force it and don't try to make it happen. It don't, it don't work like that. And then there are others who look at churches on television and then they want their church to be like the church they see on television. I said to the early service, there is no use you coming here on Sundays and expect to see T.D. Jakes. I ain't T.D. Jakes. I ain't gonna never preach like T.D. Jakes. I love some T.D. Jakes preaching now. Number one, my throat can't last that long. Preaching like he does. I, I love me some T.D. Jakes. But if I want the Porter's house, I hop on a plane, fly to Dallas, and go to the Porter's house. You know? I can't change evangelistic temple into the Potter's house because the Potter's house vision is not necessarily God's vision for this house. You see? And so that's how we have to look at stuff. 
things that you see on church or on television might be God working in those local churches and in those situations accomplishing his purpose and plan that he established for that local church. Don't compare your church to other churches. Because what God is doing in your church is not necessarily what he's doing in other churches or vice versa. Appreciate what God is doing in your church and then get on board to make it even better. And so that brings me to the last point here. Serving your church. Oh, before I do that. Um, oh, and by the way, I was asked last Sunday if one o'clock was the curfew that you had to be home by. You know, because the order says services can be conducted between 7 a.m. and 1 p.m. No, you don't have to be home 1 p.m. The church service has to be finished by 1 p.m. All right? So wherever the church service starts, within that 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. hour, the, church has, the service has to be finished by 1 p.m. All right? So I got 11 minutes. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. You know, I have a reputation of being along with the preacher. Amen. I accept it. I am. All right? Now, I can cut it short. If I, if I need to, I can cut it short. When they dropped that one-hour thing on us the other day, I would have had no problem preaching for a half an hour because I used to pastor in a church where the service was one hour. So I know how to preach for, an hour, for half an hour. So that would have been no problem. But I, I like it better like this. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Let me just make reference to three of the scripture verses that I read. I'm just going to touch on it. Proverbs 22, verse 28, in light of all that I've said. Do not remove the ancient landmark that your, that your fathers have set. If you want to do a good study on that, Google it. Go to a Bible app or something and, and read about it. It's simply saying that the, the borders, the landmarks, the stakes that were set by the fathers that have gone on are relevant and are important and valuable. So don't move them. God doesn't need us to move the ancient landmarks because he is the kind of God that moves forward from the ancient landmark. So there's no need to move it. All right? Psalm 11 verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We don't dig up a church's foundation and, and then try to start it all over again. Foundations are things you build on. We have a neighbor um, doing a, a house right next to us right now, which the former owner died and left. Um, we tried to purchase the, pro the property unsuccessfully. And so to cut a long story short, finally somebody bought the property. The house was uh, in really, really bad shape. And if it had stayed like that for at least one more year, you would have had to bulldoze the thing. But they got a hold of it, and now they are redoing the house, making it look a whole lot better than it did, even when the original owner had it. But in the course of the construction and the work, the remodeling work, not one day did I see them bring a backhoe on the property to dig up the foundation. They simply built on what was there, and they used what was there to produce 
an even better home. Understand what I'm saying? You don't have to dig up the foundation. You know, you don't have to dig up the foundation. The foundation is there for you to build upon. That's why there are some things about evangelistic temple that were established by my former senior pastor. I am not going to uproot. I am not going to dig up. They are going nowhere. They are foundation stones that are important for the strength of the structure that is to be built in years to come. And not just by me, but by those who come after me. Even into the very next generation who has to also carry this ministry on. The foundation is never to be uprooted. You build on what was already laid for you. So it's very simple. Matthew chapter 13 verse 52, Jesus said, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Things new and old. The church is a treasure trove. The church is filled with stuff that's new and old. We have a whole segment of our scriptures that's referred to as the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. There are things in that old covenant that we don't live by today, but we can't get rid of that old covenant because that old covenant is the foundation of the new covenant in which we live. So you don't get rid. You, 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 you bring out, the, the, uh, Jesus said, the householder, the wise householder brings out of his treasure trove things that are old and new. And I said to the early service, you have some things that you have set aside that you're not going to get rid of because they are nice and they are valuable. But you bought some more modern stuff to put in your house. So you put those things away. But every now and then, every now and then, a Christmas comes around, an Easter comes around, a birthday comes around, an anniversary comes around, and you remember that you have something in that storehouse that will fit this situation in a very nice and a very beautiful way. So you go into the attic, or you go into the trunk, or you go into wherever you have this stuff, and you bring something out, and you make that the centerpiece of the table. And when your guests come into your party, or come into your gathering, and look at that table, the first thing they see is the beauty of that centerpiece. And they think that it's something brand new that you found somewhere and you've put it on the table as a decoration piece but they do not know that that's something that Grammy passed on to you and you used it and you continue to use it by treasuring it and keeping it for very special occasions. That's the way the kingdom of heaven operates as well. You don't throw out the old. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You build on the old. All right, lastly, I made the same mistake I did 8.30 service. Serving your church. Serving your church. I'm going to cut some of this. One of the seven pillars out of our mission statement uh, of Evangelistic Temple is pillar number six, which is service. Service. So we expect those who are a part of our church to be engaged in the service and the ministry of the church. Listen, if the ministry of this church is to be propagated, 
If it is to continue, then all of us need to be a part of making it happen. You know, making it happen. One set of people can't carry this church. I can't carry the ministries of this church. You know, I've been speaking about revival. I'm going to get back to that soon. But, you know, for us to rebuild stuff, we need people. We need hands on deck. And so I encourage you, those of you who are our new members today, I've reviewed your applications and seen the different areas where you have an interest in ministry and so forth. When you are contacted by persons responsible for those areas of ministry, um, come in, man. Come in. You are wanted. You are needed. And you will be welcomed. If you go into any ministry and you don't feel welcomed, pick up the telephone and call me. And I'll fix it. Straighten it out. All right? Because every person with any gift or ability to offer to this church ought to be welcomed in to its ministry to make their contribution. So serving is a part of what made this church a great church and an historic church for 85 years. Let me close with this. It's a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He says, if you want to be important, that's wonderful. If you want to be recognized, that's wonderful. If you want to be great, that's wonderful. But recognize, he says, that he who is greatest among you shall be a servant. That's the new definition of greatness. So all he's saying is, Jesus redefined greatness. Greatness is not about all of those other things. It's about being a servant, and in our context, a servant of God. He goes on. He says, the thing that I like about it, by giving that definition, everybody can be great. Because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's, Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't, know, you don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. If I want to know about thermodynamics and physics, I'll go ask Brother Denny. He's the physics, physics man. He knows about all of that. But he doesn't need to know that to serve. And neither do you or me. He concludes by saying, you only need a heart full of grace. A soul generated by love. And you can be that servant. In your church, making a difference in the ministry of that church, in the life of that church, and in the future of that church. So every single one of us, I had a little something left, but I got to stop. It's 12.59, and I am a law-abiding citizen. So I encourage you today, those of you who have been accepted into membership this morning, and those of you who are still here, not, not official members yet, you have a role to play 
You have a part to play. You have a gift that's needed. You have a talent, an ability that can make this church even better than it's been for 85 years. It might be an historic church, but you can make it an even more historic church by what you bring to the table and what you deposit into the work of this church and into the kingdom of God. We want you and we welcome you. Know your church and serve your church. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please.